The impact of the 2022 election on the nation's business is just starting to show itself, but unfortunately, often lost in the hustle and bustle in D.C. is the impact those results had and will continue to have on rural America. I recently sat down with Jackie Fatka, associate editor at AgriPulse Communications, to get her take on the red wave that wasn't and what she expects over the next two years. You know, I really say think that a lot of those House Ag Committee members on the Democrat side who were targeted to be flipped in this election were able to maintain and hold on to their seats. And so for the House Ag Committee, at least, you, you have a little bit more familiarity of the process. And uh, but but again, rural America is still a lot of red. But we also need to have folks on both sides of the aisle to be able to advocate on behalf, especially when we have a White House that is controlled by Democrats. If we had the entire middle country all red, who would be the ones who would go to the White House and talk about biofuels? Or who is going to be the ones who go and and, and advocate on behalf of agriculture if it is all red? So, you know, there is a, a good balance of making sure that within rural America, we have both red and blue representatives. Interestingly enough, one of those House seats is up in Washington with Dr. Kim Schreier, who was able to hold on to her position. Um, You're talking about, well, back in 2000, we called them the flyover states. And a lot of rural America feels like, well, they lean Republican. How did both parties in your assessment do this 2022 midterm trying to court that rural vote? They failed. Both of them failed. You know, I I talked with uh, folks ahead of the election, and I think they felt like Democrats were overlooking the rural vote and Republicans were taking it for advantage, you know, they were taking it for granted. So you had both that really continued to be that flyover. You know, I'm interestingly, I'm, I'm from Ohio and, uh, Representative Tim Ryan, who who ran for the Senate seat there against a Trump-backed J.D. Vance, uh, Tim Ryan really got out, got out in rural areas. You know, I, I talked with a farmer who had uh, farmers who were out of his farm that Tim Ryan came, sat down, and just listened. And this was 80% Republicans who came to that farm to talk. And Tim Ryan probably tried to do things a little differently, but then you look at it and and still fell short a little bit. So then it makes you wonder, okay, well, does that mean that their their attempt to to reach out and and talk to those in rural America a little bit more? Because you look at Pennsylvania right next door, Fetterman, who won the Democrat seat, did not do much with the rural vote. And so, you know, I think Democrat strategists are going to have to figure out how to to make sure that they are reaching rural America. And, and hopefully they will see that as an important demographic as you go into the next election cycle. As you look at rural America, what are some of the issues that were of the most importance heading into the election? Yeah, so heading into the election, obviously, the rising cost of living, right? We're all being faced with that. That is something that has not gone away. And so that was 45% of rural voters were, that was top of mind for them. And the second one was a a functioning government, the dysfunction of government and just displeasure with that. And so those are two big issues. And I think that that's going to continue going forward. In your assessment, you're talking about the history of the red wave leading into the 2022 election, and it did not happen. What happened? Did the Republicans drop the ball? Did Democrats do better than expected? What do you think? 
I think we had a lot of candidates that people could not stomach supporting. So, you know, I, I mentioned Ohio. We saw there that the Republican governor got a lot more votes than J.D. Vance, who was backed by Trump. Was that because and really this this is part of the process with the primaries, right? When you have these candidates that are coming out, if you're an independent voter, you have no say in who comes out of those primaries to be on the ticket. But you have to we are becoming such a partisan play front of where these candidates are coming from that you are picking the one extreme versus another extreme. And really, middle America does not really like either one of those extremes. And so sometimes it's like you're picking the worst of both evils. And so I think some of what happened in this this election cycle may have been because Republicans were looking at a far extreme candidate that did not have the ability to garner those more independent voters. And we have to remember, we have almost a third of our voters, you know, between a quarter and a third of our voters are independent. So they're they're not the same far right, far left. And we, we need to have more candidates that can win on election day, not just get out of a primary. And, and unfortunately, that's kind of been lost here as of late. One thing that you were also mentioning that I thought was really interesting and really shows how poorly the Republicans did is there was a lot of gerrymandering leading into this election. So they were even playing by their own rules and couldn't execute. Yeah, I mean, I try not to give my opinion very often, but Republicans did did not perform as well as they could have. And they had a lot of things that were tilted in their favor, uh, whether it's his- history and just being able to have some of these districts that were drawn up by them. And, and yeah, they underperformed. What does this all mean for the 2023 Farm Bill? And and I know the crystal ball is never very clear, but as you look ahead to the conversations that are going to take place, what do you see? You know, the the narrow margins may actually work in favor of getting a bipartisan farm bill across. You know, we sometimes have really partisan driven farm bills. We saw that in the last farm bill discussion where Republicans separated out the nutrition title from the commodity title and tried to make a political point of it. The the farm bill historically is bipartisan, right? We know that you're not going to get all one party to support it. And so really, if we took a more pragmatic approach to this early early stages, you know, even right now saying, okay, this is a, if Republicans said, you know, this is an important piece of legislation, we want to find a way to get it across the finish line. And uh, what, what Democrats do we need to have? What is needed from Democrats to get that true bipartisan support? Then it would make a much easier process than having a, a push that is partisan driven that ends up dividing and being a controversial piece of legislation that really has an opportunity to bring both sides together and do good work for nutrition, for for farmers, for conservation, you know, there's for energy. There's so many opportunities to bring a lot of different coalitions together on this farm bill if they approached it the right way. I know a lot of things happen outside of the world of politics, but let's be honest, that's what blows up on social media. That's what the 24-7 news cycle talks about. In your assessment, between now and 2024, What do the Republicans need to do to come under one banner? And what do the Democrats need to do? Because it seems like both parties are kind of fighting among each other. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of infighting. Um, You know, I think Republicans really need to figure out what their goals are. Um, Is the goal to win back the White House or is the goal to be a functioning government? And so I think that's going to be first and foremost. Uh, I think there's a lot of 
positioning that always happens ahead of a presidential election. And so how those leaders focus on that. And I think we're going to start to see some of that within how McCarthy takes over the leadership. We're going to see that on whether McConnell gets the uh, the gavel on the Republican side for the Senate, because Scott out of Florida has said that he is wanting to challenge that. So that's on the Republican side. When you look at the Democrats, Biden turns 80 here before too long. That's a that's a pretty old president. We knew that going into the the last elections that he was not getting any younger, right? And so I think the party's going to have to decide, do they want him to be the continued person going forward? Do we see somebody like Buttigieg or do we see uh, Vice President Harris come in to to take over that mantle of the Democrat party? And, you know, I think maybe 2 years ago a lot of people thought Vice President Harris might be that, but you know, we've not heard as much about her. We've not had as much from her. And so it makes you kind of wonder if maybe they're not as ready to throw her out in front of the the party. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's definitely a lot that's going to have to happen within each of the parties that's a little different than your typical election where you have an incumbent president coming in because Biden is, is obviously much older than than other incumbents coming in. Once again, that was Jackie Fatka, Associate Editor at AgriPulse Communications.